This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. I did want to spend some time talking about this discovery, a Canadian discovery that's uh, making international headlines, and it's pretty significant. Although some questions being raised about it, but uh, it represents potentially the oldest fossil ever discovered on this planet. The Washington Post describes it, tiny tubular structures uncovered in ancient Canadian rocks could be remnants of some of the earliest life on Earth. The straw-shaped microfossils, narrower than the width of a human hair and invisible to the naked eye, are believed to come from ancient microbes, according to a new study in the journal Nature. Scientists debate the age of the specimens, but the author's youngest estimate, 3.7 billion years, would make these fossils the oldest ever found. So, how does one discover such a thing, and how significant is this? Joining us on the line is uh, Jonathan O'Neill. He's an assistant professor at McGill University. Dr. O'Neill, welcome to the program. Hi, uh, University of Ottawa, actually. Oh, University of Ottawa. All right. Yeah, I'm a PhD uh, alumni at at McGill University, so it's good. Oh, okay. All right. Duly noted. Okay. So, uh, how significant is this, then, in your view? It's actually pretty significant because uh, it pushes back the uh, the earliest times for the appearance of life on on our planet, and this is from these first traces of life that you know it evolved to 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 have us today, the humans. But uh, it it pushes everything in time backwards again. Yeah, it really does. So tell us a bit more then about do do we know by the way where this this rock was found? Yeah, of course. It's a it's a very small sliver of of old rocks, the oldest rocks on on Earth. Uh, it's about ten square kilometers in, in total. A piece of oceanic crust that was preserved for so long in uh, in Nunavik, in northern Quebec, on on the shore of Hudson Bay, just south of the uh, the Inuit town called Inukjuak, uh, mm-hmm. about forty kilometers south of Inukjuak on the east coast of Hudson Bay. Okay, so these are, are very, very small, very tiny, not visible to the naked eye. So how do we even know to look for these in the first place? Well, we have to look in the right types of rocks. So like I said, this, this whole area that is about 10 square kilometers, it represents really like a piece of oceanic crust. So the, the, the oceanic floor, if you want, where you had volcanic rocks and hydrothermal activity, these hydrothermal vents and things like this. But there's also a very specific type of rock we call banded iron formation. There are iron-rich rocks that were sediments deposited at the bottom of the seafloor. And we think this is where the, these, these uh, microorganisms would actually live. They would actually feed on iron to get their, their energy. And so, so you're, you're targeting rocks where, where life could, could, have, could, have, uh, could have been. And these are the perf- perfect type of rocks to, to look for that. Because obviously we, we don't have a lot that would survive from, from that long ago. Not a lot of fossils, not a lot of rocks, not a lot of anything. That's so, our biggest right? challenge, actually. So this is pretty rare. It is. I mean, to put everything in time perspective, the Earth is, or and the solar system is just shy of 4.6 billion years. Uh, and for us, early Earth geologists, we, we need rocks to, uh, to study these earliest times because rocks are recording everything for us, the temperature, pressure, and so on and so on. And I would say rocks that are older than 3.8 billion years, uh, you can count them on, on the fingers of your hands. So it's a very, very, uh, uh, these terrains are very rare, and that's, that's why it's challenging for us to, to put all the pieces of the puzzle together. Okay, so how do we go about determining, first of all, how old the rock is or even how old the, these fossils are? 
Uh, well, we have different techniques to date rocks. Uh, they're all uh, using radioactivity. So you're probably familiar with carbon-14. Most people are, are familiar with carbon-14. Carbon-14 is a bit different because we're actually dating organic matter. Uh, but we're using the radioactivity principle where you have an element or an isotope that decays into another isotopes with time. And we know that time, so we use these as clocks, basically. And we can date uh, different minerals and different rocks uh, that way. And so it's it's kind of a rough estimate. I guess the the three point seven billion is is what a lot of the uh, the stories are focusing on. But that's that's kind of a range somewhere in that ballpark. Uh, yeah, I mean, really, my own specialty is on the geochronology, so I'm happy to expand on this. Uh, but the minimum age of the belt is three point seven seven. So this is a very firm, precise date. Yeah, okay. And, and this is firm and precise because we're using uh, a very, very robust tool, their best tool. So the golden standard for geochronologists, we're using a specific mineral called zircon. Uh, we're very good at dating these minerals for, for many different reasons. They're, they're the perfect tools for geochronology and dating rocks. Uh, the, the problem is it, it's not all rocks that have zircons. Uh, so, and most of these rocks representing a piece of ancient oceanic floor, the type of rock, they just don't have zircons. So that's why they're more difficult to date. And we have used a, a different clock, a different chronometer uh, than, than, than this known one, the zircon, the conventional one, just simply because it was not, uh, we couldn't apply the conventional techniques uh, for these types of rocks. And this is where a bit where the age debate is, you were mentioning earlier. It's, it's not a chronometer that we are used to use on the Earth because it can only date rocks that are older than 4 billion years, basically. And, and so we have used it on rocks from the moon or meteorites or things like this, but it was really the first time we could use it on rocks from the Earth because uh, the first time that we had rocks old enough. Okay, well, and there's some pretty fascinating, uh, I, I think, takeaways from this and what it tells us about the, the, the kind of life that existed that long ago and maybe even how that life came to be in the first place. What, what conclusions can we draw at this point? Well, it, it gives us a, a better picture of what kind of environment life would have started. So we, we start to see already at 4.3 billion years ago, we have, evidence, we have evidence we had water, liquid water at the surface, so shallow ocean. And, and these rocks, like I said, they were at the bottom of a seafloor, hydrothermal vents. Uh, we have uh, this today on the bottom of oceanic floor as well. Like We call them black smokers, where you have hot water circulating through, through the rocks. So, so it really gives us the, the, the a window through what, what could have been the environment where the first primitive life started on our planet. And then we have tools to, can we expand this to other planets? If I want to, you know, dream a bit in, in the near future, can we expand this for Mars, for example? Now we know what kind of environment life started on Earth, or the earliest life as we know it so far. So can we apply these same techniques and, and at, uh, on a planet like Mars, where now we know where to look for, uh, in the, and we know the kind of environment to, uh, to hunt for? Right. And, and I mean, part of that question about the, you know, when, how and when life first arises and how rare or how much of a fluke it might have been on Earth, uh, does this suggest that maybe it might be more common than we think? Uh, it certainly suggests that it happened very, very early. More common, I'm not sure. Uh, this you'd have to ask my colleagues from, from the UK who are really the geomicrobiologists. Uh, but it certainly tells us that it happened very, very quickly on, on our planet, more quickly than we, we, we may have thought before. All right. So wh where do you go from here now then? 
Well, again, the goal is to, the big scheme or the big goal is to have a better idea of how Earth formed and how it evolved during its first, uh, you know, hundreds of millions of years. Now, as I was saying, we have very, very limited rock record to help us to unravel this. So, so from now, we know what we're looking for. We can try to apply this to other old areas. Uh, um, uh, we're also working in, in northern Labrador uh, right now where you have the same kind of rock, the same kind of environment, about 3.9 billion years, the same kind of band in our information, uh, but these rocks are highly metamorphosed. They have been cooked for, for, for a long time at very high temperature, so it's much messier to try to extract the information from these rocks, much more difficult. So we can use it for, for establishing these environments on, on the Earth and just learn more about these primitive environments. Let me just ask you, because I know this has come up in some, some of the articles when we talk about Mars, and people have speculated that maybe it's possible that this kind of life first arose on Mars and, and somehow made its way here. Do you think it's at all possible, how far-fetched is it, let's put it that way, that, that we're actually looking at Martian life in these rocks? No, I don't think we're looking at Martian life, but Mars and the Earth, uh, they were very similar very early on in their history. They were like almost like sisters, basically. So we think the, the way the Earth evolved very, very early is very similar to Mars. Uh, so if life happened so quickly on, on, on Earth, if we have the same kind of environment on Mars, maybe we can think maybe it happened also on Mars. But I don't think we're, we're suggesting that life came from Mars to here, but we have the same conditions or very, very similar conditions with liquid water and these kinds of environment of shallow water, hydrothermal circulation. So, so there's, there's no reason to, to believe that it didn't happen on Mars, or at least we're better equipped, like I said, to hunt for the, for the specific environment where it could have started on Mars as well. Right, which is exciting. Well, Professor O'Neill, thank you so much for joining us here today and explaining this. Really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks. My pleasure. All right. Take care. Jonathan O'Neill, assistant professor at the University of Ottawa, is the co-author uh, on this study, which, as you can imagine, getting a lot of attention. So it's a case of this is what we found here on our planet from nearly four billion years ago. We know what to look for if we want to know if something similar was happening on Mars at the time. So, that, yeah, that's pretty significant in that sense. But even just to get a better understanding of what our world was like that long ago in its very, very early years is pretty significant. Anyway, 403-974-8255 is our number. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.